Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. I'm going to share my story throughout today and in, in the series in hopes that you can relate because I want us to find ourselves in Job's story because I think we can all relate to suffering to some degree. On October 24, 2005, I checked myself into a rehab center for dependency to prescribed anti-anxiety medication. My father had passed away a year earlier, and unresolved grief and anger overcame me, forging me into a deep depression. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't live. I finally got some relief from the medication that was prescribed to me. It helped me eat, it helped me sleep, and at least function. But a couple of months later, I realized that every time I tried to stop, I couldn't. And the anxiety and depression became worse. The only remedy was to keep taking it. And I never forget the humiliation I felt when I had to ask my wife, Deborah, to take me to rehab. I can laugh now and think, what a great reality series, Pastors in Rehab. But back then, it was no laughing matter. I began a three-year trial that included deep suffering, but at the same time, deep healing. Do you know that God sometimes uses suffering to accomplish His will? Job is one of the greatest sufferers in Scripture. He lived around 4,000 years ago. He made a good living. He had a great family, and he tried his best to live a life of integrity for the Lord, but Job lost everything. So today, I'm kicking off a new sermon series called Finding Hope in Suffering. What can we learn from the pandemic? And today's sermon is entitled, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? You know, I've heard politicians say, never waste a good crisis. Well, I want to say to us as believers that the pandemic taught us many things. Whenever there's a crisis, we shouldn't just move on and not look at what God did to teach us. I think of Israel marching around the desert for 40 years because they couldn't learn, that they didn't pass the exam. God said, I want you to learn to rely on me. I want you to learn that I'm your provider. I want you to learn that I'm the only one that can provide and minister to you. And they didn't learn it. You know, for me, I, I learned how I take things for granted. I take my health for granted. I take being able to see my friends and hug people. But the good thing is, we can learn those important things and we can cherish those things. So why did God allow suffering? We can ask that, right? I hear many people, if there's a good, loving God, why would he allow bad things to happen? By the way, I've had conversations with people who claim to be atheists. And when you really have the conversation, you get to know them, at some point it comes out. They remain atheistic because they're mad at God. Something happened. Something bad happened that made them go, how could God do that? If there's a God, why would he do that? It's an important question. During the pandemic, why did God allow people to die alone? That makes me sad. Why did this have to happen? 
You know, the book of Job, as I said, gives us insight that if we don't look at what's happening beyond our physical eyes, we'll never know what's really going on. And actually, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. It appears later in the canon, in the way it's organized, but it's actually the oldest book. And it's about a guy who suffered, and the way he saw it was for no reason. But it can give insight into what's really going on behind the scenes. So, why do bad things happen to good people? First, Satan is the agent behind bad things. We have to understand the spiritual warfare that's going on behind the scenes. The Hebrew word Satan or Satan means adversary. And actually, in the Hebrew, it's always accompanied with the article the. The Satan. The adversary. That's how he's named. And he's always been our adversary. From the Garden of Eden to the Battle of Armageddon, Satan, Satan, is hostile and adverse to all that is good. As God is light, Satan is darkness. God is good, Satan is bad. God is love, Satan is hate. And he's behind all those things. He's the opposite of everything holy and good. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Job chapter 1. And let's find out what's going on here in Job's life. As we begin, it says, There was a man, land of Uz. We don't really know where Uz is pronounced Uz, where it is, but it seems to be in northern Arabia. So it's in the Middle East. There was a man from there whose name was Job. And in the Hebrew, it's pronounced Job. And you'll never guess what his name means. Hated. Now, he wasn't hated by God. He was loved by God. Who hated him? Look how it goes on described. The man, Job, was blameless, upright, feared God, and turned away from evil. Wouldn't you like that to be described about you? As a New Testament believer, when we read Scripture, that is how we're described. We're described as righteous. Not in our own righteousness, in his righteousness, right? We're described as blameless, not because we're anything great, but because of God, right? So I think, as I read through Job, and you know, the end is the greatest part of Job. And I can't help but think that our life as a New Testament believer, we will suffer, but we will gain way more than what we lost, if not in this world in the next, right? We have to look with perspective that we might lose everything here, but get it way more there. You understand? So I want you to think in that way. Now it goes on. He had seven sons, three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And he was the greatest of all men on the east. So Job stood out. He was very wealthy. God blessed him in an incredible way. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one in his day. And he would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So they would celebrate together. When the days of feasting 
had completed their cycle, Job would sense consecrate them, rising up early in the morning, offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And Job did this continually. So what was Job doing as their father? He was praying for his kids. You know, as a father and mother, we need to be praying for our kids. That's what's going on on earth. And then uh, verse 6, there's a shift to what's going on in heaven. And this is what it says. There was a day when the sons of God, and that means the angelic beings, came to present themselves before the Lord, Yahweh, and Satan also came with them. Don't miss this. I mean, can you imagine the movie? What kind of music background would it be? I picture this like heavenly board meeting, and God is in control. He's on the throne. But all these angelic beings come before the Lord, including the Satan, the adversary, is there. When you read scripture, a lot of people think like God is all by himself, way out there, and nothing else is going on. He's just all by himself sitting on his throne. No, when you read scripture, you realize that heaven is a very populated and busy place. There's lots going on. And here, like I said, we have this insight into the type of this celestial board meeting with God seating on the throne and the sons of God, the angels or the heavenly beings, including Satan, gather around God, Yahweh, the Lord. Now, keep in mind, Satan was originally known as who? Lucifer, right? He was an angel of light. In fact, that's what Lucifer means. He was the most beautiful cherub in heaven. But what happened? His name was changed because he changed. He rebelled. He had it all great. He was like in heaven with God, and he wasn't happy. He wanted to be God. He wanted to take control from God, which is our natural desire, right? And he rebelled against God, so Satan was expelled from heaven. In fact, Jesus confirms this when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We can trust scripture all the time. But when Jesus says something, it confirms it. Like I hear people all the time go, oh, you don't really believe that Noah got in an ark and, or like Jonah was swallowed by this big fish. I go, well, Jesus said it happened. So then you don't believe Jesus? He's a liar? So what happened is, Satan is in heaven, and he got kicked out of heaven and fell to the earth. So Lucifer gets kicked out. He's now known as the Satan, the adversary. He shows up where? In the Garden of Eden, disguised as a what? There, right? So we don't know exactly when Satan fell, but it had to be at some point before or during creation right? Because he's there. He falls, he's sent to the earth, and he wants to deceive Adam and Eve, and he does a good job at it, and they believe him. And by the way, when Satan fell, it really has to be, I would think, after God said that he looked at all his creation and said it is very good. So I'm thinking that it probably at some point there, obviously before the fall, which was when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. But here's the point. God still allows Satan 
to enter back into heaven to attend these meetings. That's bizarre, right? He has to let him, right? He can't just like show up without a pass. And here's what we read. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord, Yahweh, Job's God, said to Satan, where have you come from? Obviously, he knows where he's coming from. But Satan answers the Lord because this is what Satan does. Yeah, I'm roaming around the world trying to cause trouble. That's basically what he's doing. Constantly. And he's got a third of the angels that fell with him, who are now known as demons, with him. Trying to cause trouble. Trying to mess you up. Trying to trip you up. Trying to make you fall. That's all he does. He's your adversary. He's like a lion, the Bible says, that prowls around looking for someone to devour, and he never, never stops. He's truly our enemy. And this is what's known as spiritual warfare, and it's real, and it's happening now. We might not see it, but it's happening. Here's what I want to say about the pandemic. The pandemic is a result of evil. The world was created good. But Adam and Eve decided to ruin it by deciding to believe Satan rather than God. And because of this, what did God do? Curse the what? The ground, the earth. So at that moment, what was pure became tainted. What was immune from this world, including sickness, now entered the world. Viruses, including the coronavirus, are a symptom of a diseased and corrupt world. And the devil is the epitome of evil and the agent behind bad things. And the viruses are a byproduct of evil and the cursed world. Bad things happen because evil exists. Okay? Secondly, and this is very important, God is ultimately in control of all things. God is ultimately in control of all things. Let me ask you a question. Who's seated on the throne in heaven, God or Satan? Who allows Satan to enter back into heaven? You see that even though Satan is the agent behind evil, God is the king on the throne. But this causes very complex theological tensions, doesn't it? I mean, if God is sovereignly control of all things, then why does he allow bad things to happen? Especially bad things to happen to good people like Job. First, we must accept and come to the conclusion that whatever God allows must be part of his plan. If we don't see it that way, then we have big holes in our theology because we can't explain it. And if you don't see it that way, you're going to live in fear and anxiety for the rest of your life because you'll never know if God is in control or not. Let me tell you, I'd rather have a God who is in control that allows suffering than a God who doesn't know what's going on and just bad things happen. But here's the thing. You have to know God as good. You have to know God as your father. You have to know God as someone who loves you so much that he would die for you. So if God allows things that are not pleasant, like suffering, 
then wouldn't the suffering be for a purpose? I mean, think about Jesus, God's one and only Son. Did he suffer? But for what purpose? You know what, for what purpose? To kick Satan's butt. If you want to know when Satan lost, it was on the cross. In fact, the Bible says that at the cross, Satan and evil was defeated. When Jesus died, our sin problem was resolved. When Jesus rose, our death problem was resolved. Those are the two things that Satan had power taken out from his hands. So we see it in Jesus' life, right? He suffered for a purpose. Do we see it in anybody else's life? Well, a lot of people, right? Paul, and we'll talk more about him next week. But how about Joseph? Did he suffer? He had some wacko brothers, man, I'm telling you. Tried to kill him first, and they threw him in this hole. And then they go, oh, wow, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to, like, slave traders. Wow. So Joseph goes on this journey of suffering. Suffering, suffering, suffering. And then people who are supposed to help him forget about him. And he's in jail, and he's this and that. And then all of a sudden, he comes out of that, and God uses Joseph to save his people. So at the very end of his life, that's why Joseph could say this. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. It doesn't say God used it for good. He says he meant it for good. He sovereignly allowed it to happen. And Joseph is going through his life suffering, suffering, suffering. And he gets to the end of his life and he goes, if I didn't go through all that, my people would have died, right? God allows things, difficulties, sufferings for his purpose, which seem bad. I want to tell you this. I do not diminish anyone's suffering and pain. That's not where I'm coming from. Because Job, as we're going to find out next week, lost everything. And we shouldn't go, oh, well, we know the ending. So, you know, Job, come on, snap out of it. Or like when you're suffering, someone goes, don't you know what Scripture says? And that's not where I'm coming from. But I do want us to see the big picture. We have here, God allows this thing, but it turns out for good in the end. And sometimes it's quicker than others. If we go on here, and I'm, now I'm reading from verse 8. So Satan comes, and he's at this board meeting, and, and God is you know, CEO and president. He's on the throne, and Yahweh says to Satan, Hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What? No, please stop. For there's no one like him on earth. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God, and he turns away from evil. Then the accuser. Yeah, but does Job fear you, God, for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about his house, all that he has, and you've blessed his work and his hands and his possessions have increased? So Satan's saying, he's living that way because you've totally blessed him. But God... If you take your hand away of protection from him, he's going to curse you to your face. That is some incredible insight into conversation that went on, that's going on in heaven, right? Did you notice it says, my righteous servant Job? 
believers suffer. You know, when anybody thinks, oh, I gave my life to Christ, it's just going to be this happy, pleasant ride till I go to be with him in heaven. No. Jesus suffered. I suffered. You're going to suffer. I am persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. And so my paraphrase of Satan's answer would be something like, yeah, I did notice him. By the way, the reason he lives for you is because you blessed him. And if you remove that blessing, he's going to curse you to your face. That's what Satan, his objective is because he fell, he wants you to fall. But here's the other side of the coin. Don't take God's protection for granted. Imagine how many bad things or worse things could have happened in your life that God has hedged you from happening. Don't take God's protection for granted. People ask, when you go to heaven, what do you want to find out the most? Someone jokingly said, I want to find out what's the worst thing I ate without knowing it. But when you get to heaven, it's like the blinds come off and we see things for what they really are. You're going to see how God's hand was all over your life. And God allows suffering. A lot of times it's because of his desire to test, not him test you, you test yourself to see where your faith is. Because when you're going through bad things, that's when you really cry out to God, right? When things are hunky-dory, you're like, hey, everything's good, man. Testing is how God strengthens our faith. But it can be painful. And then third, God allows certain things, including suffering, for his glory and purpose. Listen, it's all about his glory. It's all about him. Yes, we go through things, but it's all for his glory. I know you don't want to hear that. Like I said, I wish nothing bad would ever happen. Like we would have this uneventful, pain-free journey. But that's not reality. But the difference between servants of Christ like Job and a regular person, get this, is the why behind the what. See, a believer might not know the details as to the why. But a believer does know that there's someone who controls the why, and therefore the what has more meaning and purpose. Did you get that? There's a person behind the why who loves you, and the what then has more meaning and purpose. And you're going to notice as we go through this book that although Job goes to incredible pain, he realizes that God is always good. And guess what? He knew this without this. He knew that fact without this. We have this. So it should be even more of a fact in our life of what's going on. We see things that happen in heaven, a heavenly board meeting, God is in control, and Satan is out to cause trouble. But here's what you got to get. He has to ask permission. He has to ask permission. I used to teach public school, high school, and one time they put me down to junior high, and I'm like, get me out of here. But imagine if a student came up and said, hey, Mr. Bartowell, I hate Johnny. Can I have permission to just beat the heck out of him? Would I give him that permission? No, why? Because there's no good purpose behind that. But God uses Satan to accomplish his purpose. Get that. God uses Satan 
And by the way, he uses all kinds of things and all kinds of people because it's about his will to accomplish his purpose. Even COVID. Yes, it's a byproduct of evil, but God gave permission. And I don't know about you, but after 9-11, churches exploded. Like, I mean, big time. Our church, where I was working at, we couldn't fit people in. They were coming because they're like, oh my gosh, something bad happens. Please tell us what's going on. And then after a year, though, you know, where we are today, it's even worse. And now COVID hits, and God wants to use it to remind us that without his protection, we're done. Without his grace, we're sunk. The churches need to start getting full again because we know the truth. God allows things to happen. Look at Peter, and I'll get a little more into this next week, but Remember when Peter was like, hey, Jesus, you know, I know you're talking about this death thing and cross, and can you skip that part and then just take us to heaven? What did Jesus say? He's like, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't say, get thee behind me, Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan, because he knows what's going on. But at another point, listen to this, Simon, Simon, or Peter, Peter, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, once you have returned again, that you'll strengthen your brothers. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, divine and human, knows what's going on, and he actually knows that Satan had asked to sift Peter like wheat, squeeze the faith out of him, put him into a corner. But what's the setup to that? Jesus had just told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. So who's behind that? Satan. But Satan had to ask permission. But here's the awesome thing. Jesus prays for him. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? No matter what's going on, no matter what Satan wants to do, Jesus is praying for you. And then what happens? Peter does accomplish God's will by fulfilling Jesus's prophecy about denying him three times. But that's not the end of the story. He's restored. And Jesus says to him, here, strengthen your brothers. And then at that time, when Peter's restored, he says, do you love me? Yeah, you know, I love you. No, do you love me? Yes, you know, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Three times, because he denied him three times, he restored him. And then he says, Feed my sheep. Take care of my flock. Wow. What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. That's how the story ends. And it's the same with Job. Satan asked permission to sift Job. Said the Lord said to Satan, very well, everything he has in your power, you can touch that stuff. You can attack him there. But on the man himself, don't lay a finger. But obviously next week, My sermon's called When Life Falls Apart, because then he experiences health problems, really bad ones. Do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So he leaves heaven, and he comes right to this fallen earth to accomplish his purpose, which is bad, because God has given him permission over this fallen earth to do certain things. One day it's not going to be like that. There's going to be a new earth and a new heaven. I always wonder, why is there going to be a new heaven? Well, if Satan's up there, it's tainted. 
new heaven. Get rid of that guy. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. He won't ever bother us again. Hallelujah. For me, 2005 began a three-year trial of suffering and pain. As if the rehab experience was bad enough, my health failed, and I had to have major stomach surgery. I remember crying out to God, Why, God? And one day, while driving, I looked up in the sky, and I saw eagles soaring the wind, and I heard God's voice, David, one day you will be soaring as well. At our last service at Laguna Hills High School in 2008, as we stood outside, I looked at the auditorium we had met in for three years, and for the first time, I saw the mascot of the school, which was an eagle, painted on the wall. God is faithful. There's much more to this story, and I'll tell you as we go along, but know this, your story is not over. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that our story is not over. It's a God story. You know, we want to take the pen from your hand. But Lord, you're so good. Your providence is so good that when we try to take the pen and write our own story, we mess it up worse. So Lord, please continue to write our story the way you want it to be, because it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me your voice.